Amen. Pastor Saul is downstairs with the children, the youth. Um, and so those who children like to be excused, you're more than welcome to go down there. But also be monitored that uh, Pastor Saul will, will dismiss some children don't behave well. So, so, so parents, so you know your children got some problems going down. Just escort them down to let Pastor Saul know so he know he can bring them back up. But he's downstairs having children's church, youth church uh, with our youth and children. So your, your children are welcome to join him uh, down there. Amen. Amen. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we just come to hear a word from you. Lord, we just ask, let it be all of you right now, God, and none, none of me. Lord, I, I truly desire to decrease so you can increase. Father, preach your word through this vessel to your people, for your servants are listening. Father, we desire to magnify your holy name with our lives. So may your word, Lord, guide our footsteps, guide our hearts and our minds, so that you'll be glorified and you'll be magnified. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you can join me in the Old Testament looking at 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. Old Testament. 2 Samuel. The ninth chapter. We'll be looking at the beginning reign of King David. You familiar with King David? God said he was looking for a man after his own heart. When he was anointing David to be king, he told, he told Samuel that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Aren't you glad that God can see straight through us? Because don't we want someone we can be real with? Amen. As we are turning to Second Samuel 9th chapter, in our bulletin, I believe it says, the title says, We're sitting at the king's table. Mm. What an honor would be sitting at the king's table. Am I right about it? Some of you might have got up early Friday morning to watch a soon-to-be king get married. Fifty-some-odd million dollars, I heard, was spent. About two billion people watching by television. Monstrous amounts of food and cake spent and used. All for people just to be in the presence of this soon-to-be king. It's wedding. Some were celebrities, well-known folk that showed up. But yet, if you look really close, none of them are going to sit at the king's table. Mm, y'all don't hear me. They were all up in the place, all watching, but they're not going to be at his table. The next day, they all left. Hello. But yet his family stayed. We're going to look at a king who finds a 
similar like Prince William, a grandson. Not the son, but a grandson of the king. And we find him lame. I want to look at Second Samuel 9th chapter. I want to read a few verses in our hearing, looking at verse 5. I saw. I apologize. I'll drop back. I want to go to verse four. Where is he? The king asked. And Lo Debar Zeba told him at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Sitting at the king's table. Looking at this situation, you see a grandson of the king who had rights to be king, but his, in 2 Samuel 4th chapter 4th verse, we find out he was five years old when he heard about his his grandfather Saul being killed and his father Jonathan being killed. His hand made and tried to escape, but she dropped him. Come on, somebody. She dropped the baby boy and he became lame, crippled in both feet. Tell your neighbor, both of them. One, one leg is bad enough. Come on, somebody. But both of them were no good. We use that saying as somebody having two left feet. He has two lame feet. Come on, somebody. Both of them are unable to do anything an able person could. So from the age of five, from, from, you know, it says five years old, as a young age, he's five years old, this young boy has lived his life in a condition that fell upon him without his control. Can I walk down your block? You living your life? You causing harm to no one? You doing what you believe is right? But trouble just seems to come your way. You, you, you think you're doing everything good. You show up to your job on time. You are efficient in your work, but they tell you you're the one who has to go. Wasn't the one you know who show up late, leave early. One, the one that, 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 that cheats on their job, you know they cheat and steal, but no, it's you who has to go. It just seems like it's not fair. Am I talking to somebody here? This little boy, you think it was fair for him to be dropped and become lame at a young age when it wasn't his fault, but the maid's fault? Y'all, y'all see that? Somebody dropped him and he's injured. 
And you know how we get into a pity party where things don't go our way. We got to make sure everybody knows how it wasn't our fault. <laughs> I did my part, but no, this has had to happen. If it's not one thing, it's another, right? Or how my father said, if it's not one, it's two. Troubles come in twos. Pain and misery love each other. But yet we see in this situation, later down in this lame boy's life, the king, David, looked back. He had peace on his side. He beat the Philistines. He's doing a good job as king. And he's sitting back enjoying what he has been done. He's been doing. And all of a sudden he says, is there anyone in Saul's house that I can show kindness to? Y'all catch what he said? In Saul's house? I want to emphasize that for those who may not be familiar, David was, was Saul's enemy. But let me reverse it. Saul, uh, David was Saul's enemy. David did no wrong, but Saul in his own heart became jealous and envious and said to himself, David's going to become my enemy. But on the other side, David loved Saul. And David did what he could for Saul. Matter of fact, David became best friends with the prince, Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan and David loved each other as they loved themselves. David, David was protected by Jonathan when his dad, Saul, was trying to kill David. Jonathan stepped in to save his friend. But we find out here that David made a covenant with Jonathan saying that I will honor your people. And you will honor mine. They made a covenant unto each other. But look how deep this covenant goes. He did not say, is there anybody left from Jonathan, but from Saul's house. He, re he recognized that who was his enemy, who tried to kill him. He says, I want to bless him. Come on, somebody. He looked back and says, the one that tried to kill me is the one I was going to serve, whom David told his own men that thou shalt not touch God's anointed. He had a great fear and reverence and respect of God so much so that he still wanted to honor whom was his king. And says, is there anybody in Saul's house? Because David made a covenant with Jonathan, Mephibosheth was blessed by David honoring the covenant he made with his father. Mephibosheth knows he has done nothing to deserve this great blessing, but, there, but, but yet we find him sitting at the king's table. Look closely at the account when Mephibosheth comes to David and says he falls down on his face and says, I am your servant. David greets him with great Joy. Mephibosheth falls back on his face and says, I am your servant. Y'all see that? Two times he falls down. First time he falls down because he responds to the king. The king called for him. Here I am, your servant. Second time the king blesses him. He falls back down and says, I'm not worthy. I'm still your servant. 
He says in the eighth verse, what is your servant that you regard a dead dog like me? Come on, somebody. Can we look at our lives for a moment and say, who is God to regard us like a dead dog? You probably won't say that about yourself. You think so highly of yourself. But I'm going to bust your bubble because I mean to. I'm going to step your toes because I want to. On your best day, you still number some filthy rags. Some that didn't hurt you. Let me help you out. Who do you think you righteous? And you see those who act a fool on TV. And you say, oh, how dare they act like that? They need some Jesus. Well, let me tell, let you know this. Romans 3 says there's none righteous that stand before the Lord. So if you have not caught on, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But yet we realize that the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You see, we got to look at our situation and see where we are, that we are just like the says, we are some people with some lame feet in need of a blessing. 